Okay. We and are streaming the Seasons Network. Uh, no, it's going to be on mine. Uh, for some reason, uh, restream i dot io, which is what I'm using to send this. Uh, charges to be able to send to groups or whatever. So we'll have to share from uh, from Facebook out. Okay. So if you go to my page, you should see it live. Okay. Hang on just a second. Let me go back and uh, get that real quick. I wonder how I can get it on my page. You should be able to just share it. Here we go. I'm sh I, I see it now, and I'm sharing it to a group. I'm sharing it to SJ Network. Post. Okay, and this is on your I'll be going live in a few minutes post? That's the last one I got from you. No, if you go on my page now, you'll see that I'm live. We're actually live right now. Hi, everybody. Hey. <laughs> post, and I'm going to share it to Realm of the Mist group. Okay, and then I'm going to share it to <laughs> I shared it to uh, Realm of the Mist. I shared it to uh, SJ Network, and I shared it to promote your podcast. So you'll find it in any one of those. And this is the Coast to Coast Power Hour post? Yep. Yep, that's the one. All right, cool. Let me, share it. Let me share it to my groups here real quick, and then we'll get going, man. Then I'm going to pull up the stream and shut off the volume so I can actually hear and or see what's going on but not hear myself because that's just weird. What's up, Austin? I see yeah. you watching. <laughs> Welcome to an experiment more than anything else. I am not your host, Christopher Stolle. The host is actually the other guy who's uh, still sharing out. That's the other Chris. <laughs> it's a tale of two Chris's tonight, guys. <laughs> yeah, two Chris's don't make a right. Uh, That's right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but three rights make a left. Just remember that. Yeah, right? Yeah. That always gets you going back in the other direction. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, man, uh, shout out to Stephen Joyner uh, for getting us on the phone together. And we came up with this... Uh, at 6.30, so we had like a half hour to put it all together, and then uh, here we are an hour later just Forrest Gumping our way through it. That's really, wow. It really is Forrest Gumping, but we <laughs> right right now, uh, you know what? That's a perfect analogy, because right now I'm thinking it's like a sh uh, shrimping boat. It's like, you're, it's like you're Forrest and I'm Lieutenant Dan, and yeah, we're just waiting for the hurricane to finally like, give us some freaking shrimp, you know? <laughs> we came up with this uh, at six right, so we had like a hang half on just a second. I've got an audio and, uh, uh, problem. Here we are now. Yeah, I hear, I hear us. <laughs> it really is worth jumping, but we, yeah. <laughs> right, right now. So we are right now uh, live, and we're hoping you guys will join us and enjoy us, and hopefully be a part of us. And if you're not, well, that's all right. Maybe you'll catch the replay. Uh, for future reference, we will be trying to do this video-wise. We just got to figure yeah, it out. Definitely. Like, when this idea came out, like Chris was saying, when this idea came out, we were originally coming up with an idea of giving you guys, like, a story time and reading you a book. But <laughs> it, came, it turned into this. We had no preparation time. This is completely on the fly. <laughs> so I apologize if it seems a little unprofessional. <laughs> But hey, we're here. Let's talk some stuff. Yeah, it was definitely very organic, that's for sure. <laughs> it was first, it was top of the minute. So, I mean, so yeah, I mean, all right, I, I guess we had a topic, a conversation for us, did we not? 
Yeah, we were going to uh, talk about uh, looking for the silver lining with everything that's going on right now. Uh, obviously, there's multiple, multiple sources out there that can give you all of the doomsday stats and all of the bad news, and this is going on and that's going on, but we were kind of talking collectively as a group as trying to find a way to, uh, you know, let's find the silver lining in some of these things that are going on and uh, kind of look at it from a positive spin so that way, you know, 15 days or 30 days or however long this goes on, each state is going through different kind of shutdown protocols right now where um, you've got restricted movement on the streets and, and everything. That just started here in Indiana. That's where I am. Um, I know where my co-host Joe is. They're not, they haven't started that yet. They're not really even talking about it. In California, they're on a statewide shutdown. San Francisco is 24 hours of no movement, period. And they're on the East Coast. It's progressingly, uh, uh, progressing differently from one state to the next. And we just want to kind of provide a little bit of levity and, and maybe some distraction from all of this and, and take some positive spins on what we can control because there's so much uncontrollable going on right now. I agree. I agree. And and by the way, just uh, hi, Dan Laria. Uh, for people that are listening, if you want to join the conversation, we are doing this over Facebook Messenger, this conversation. So you might hear a little skipping and everything else. If you want to join, uh, let us know in the chat, man. We'll bring you into the call. We want to hear your voices, too. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's the big thing. Like everybody right now in in the world, whether what, what really it is the world. I mean, it, it, we, we, of course, hit home with the, the United States. Yeah, but it is it is really the world. Um, you know, we could look at it from from this standpoint. Like all of us are getting fed horrible, horrible news on on you know media and and social media and the news every night. We're hearing about the terrible shit, but we, we're not really getting a good chance to take a look at some of the positives that can come from it. That that we were giving examples to in a phone conversation earlier tonight. And I, I I agree. I think that's a great thing for us to really t- kind of delve into. And I don't know. Not only what do we want to hear. Not one. Not only do we want to hear what you guys think. We maybe you, we'll give you some ideas to, to weather the storm, as it were. Yeah, definitely finding positive ways to be able to. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are distracting or pulling your attention and causing stress and being able to find positive ways to be able to drive that and, and get the family unit together uh, as it were or uh, if it's just you and your spouse at the house figuring out a way to uh, live together 24 hours a day and not drive each other nuts or want to be at each other's throat you know the one thing that will definitely go up during all of this is pregnancy rates <laughs> and probably <laughs> and, and probably uh, you know some weight gain will go on, go on across the country one thing I would hate to see or see as a fallout of this is any family separation or, or anything you know uh, so you know let's find a, a good positive way to deal with each other how to deal with your neighbors with uh, social distancing as a as a thing uh, right now, uh, you know, and uh, looking at the collective groups that we can have together publicly is only you know what ten at a time, and uh, unless you live in Germany, they're only allowing three people to gather at, at at any given time. So, the best way to do that is to actually look within these groups that we all have on our social media, and talk together, you know, a thousand or two thousand at a time, or even if it's just 
25 in your group, get on there and, and, and look for positive positive outcomes for this instead of just focusing on the negative, I think, is a real big deal for everybody. See, I, I agree with that. I think I think social media, uh, yeah, social media in general, uh, which I normally, if you guys pay attention to any of the Realm of the Mist shows, I'm I'm usually pretty harsh on on social media because I I think it's been a major downfall to to society and especially to human interaction. However, in this instance, I think that is probably one of the best ways possible to be able to. Uh, still connect and have that human feeling not feel so isolated like i'm thinking back and it's, honestly this is something i was thinking about in, in in many conversations i was thinking about back to like when i would get grounded as a kid you know as as an example <laughs> when i would get grounded as a kid and i'd be you know locked in my room where you know there was no computers or or online video games or oh, yeah anything like that to be able to socialize with the outside world while i was in in house, there's no excuse for that nowadays. We have our phones, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have YouTube, we have Xbox Live and PlayStation Network, and there, the loneliness factor besides the human connection, uh, as it as as I stated before, you know, they actually be able to reach out and touch someone. Minus that, barring and minus that, I mean. These are that's this is really what these platforms were designed for, is to be able to yeah that is definitely saving grace yeah is being able to interact and connect to each other and still talk to each other and, and be able to share information share news share feelings and emotions share silly meme pictures whatever you share to just you know help each other through. And I think I think that's one of the times you're actually I, I know mark it on the calendar. It's one of the first times Christopher Stolle actually says something nice about uh, social media. But <laughs> here it is. <laughs> and and another cool thing is here we are uh, two uh, podcasters, uh, people that are in the podcast community, and we both have our own shows and we both have our own content that we look after. And here we are in this situation, on you know like an hour's notice never having worked a show together, coming together inside of all of these different networks that we're a part of and allowing people just the opportunity to kind of distract themselves. Turn off the news, sit around for a minute, and join us in the conversation on Facebook, on your page, and, you know, let's interact together and let's talk about the things not only that is worrying us, maybe Chris or... Chris and Chris can have uh, an anecdote or some information that maybe alleviates that stress for you, or maybe we can just come up with a silly story that adds a little bit of levity to the whole situation and not just worry about it for the night because we know that we have food in the fridge and we're going to wake up in the morning, God willing, and uh, just you know go from there. Yeah, you know, that's a good opportunity. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. If there's if there's one fallout from this episode tonight, it's the fact that you and I will be putting together our own podcast one day called "The Tale of Two Chris's." Uh, <laughs> it, it's going to happen. <laughs> it almost has to at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm you're you're absolutely right. If you got food in your fridge, you got toilet paper in the bathroom. It, I know it's a it's a bad joke, but I mean, come it on, it is. But it's real. You know, it's crazy. So crazy. It is real. But I mean, if you got if you if you're able to wipe your butt after eating a meal. You're good to go. (laughs) (laughs) And even if you don't have TP, just go in the shower and turn that sucker on and just waffle stomp that. 
down the drain. <laughs> <or not. laughs> and just go on about your day, you know? I mean, shit, it is what it is. It took 12 um, minutes for us to go to toilet humor. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, at, uh, looking around at everything, like you're in Pennsylvania and I'm in Indiana. Right. And, um, you know, is the National Guard on the street right now? It's not for us. Is it for you? No. The only thing the National Guard was involved with, uh, as I was saying uh, on the phone, uh, Friday is when the mandatory shutdown of all non-life uh, essential jobs happened. Uh, so end of business day Friday was when all businesses had to close down, like my job. I'm a fence installer for uh, a fencing contracting company. And... Uh, they shut us down, and they were in f- the the National Guard was coming in to enforce it on Saturday for any jobs that were like you know fuck you we're doing it anyway, you know. Right. So that's about the extent of the involvement of the National Guard, as far as I understand. I've not seen any like tanks rolling down the boulevard or anything, you know. <laughs> but we have, we haven't either, and 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 from my understanding at this point is that they are just involved. Uh, to help with distribution of goods, to help in the supply chain of things. And then uh, if it does get, you know, like in New York and Florida, those are two prime examples right now where there's a lot of people that are being dismissive of what's going on, and that's all well and good. Everybody can act however you feel is appropriate to act. But like we were talking about on the phone call, Chris, what we're, what they're trying to do is protect, is protect two major age demographics. That's the 60 pluses and the less than, and the newborns to three-year-olds. Right. Those newborns, they have a very, well, they don't have a very anything. They have a very low tolerance. They don't have a, uh immune system actually built up yet. And for the older folks, they're very susceptible just because of they have so many, um, you know, um, uh, whatever the hell it is, uh, symptoms and underlying uh, reasons to, to be susceptible to this. They're trying to protect that. And the last thing you want to do is to wake up in the morning and find out that because you were going out in public, you allowed somebody's grandma to get sick because you served her at the grocery store or you came in contact with them at the insurance office or whatever. We're trying to, we're trying to really cull that spike in a big way. And hopefully the... Uh, uh, the next step is the uh, Andrews Law, which allows the president to actually declare um, uh, the military state. And uh, hes I think they're doing everything they can to try to avoid it, hopefully. Um, you know, it, it's just a weird time. And, and a lot of people got a lot of stuff on, on, on their minds that are really worrying them. And you got any topics that are coming in on your Facebook feed? Uh, not at the exact moment. People are just kind of jumping in, jumping out, probably wondering what what's going on there. So I mean, right. I'm, I mean still, I'm still I'm still sharing it out. Yeah. Oh yeah, with 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 your permission, I'll be interrupting uh, to, from time to time when like questions or something like that do come in. Which again, by the way, guys, uh, for those that are listening, we are live on Facebook Live. Um, it is on my personal page, Christopher Michael Stolly. However, we did share it to all the group networks and, and everything. You guys can just click on the video from wherever you find it and interact with us. Send us your questions. And again, if you have Facebook Messenger and you'd like to come on and, and share your stories, share share some ideas that maybe you have, or even just want to share the the uh, what it's like right now in in your sea, like the, the situation in, in your city or your state please by all means 
give us give us a holler. Let us know. We'll bring you on the call. Um, but the the major the major fact that I'm thinking of right now, like like you said, is that we are trying to protect those two groups. However, like I said in the phone conversation. I do wonder if it isn't a little extreme bringing in things like the military or which which the National Guard really is, you know, it, it may be a lower form of the military, but it's still military. It's still military, yeah. You know, I wonder if that's not yeah. a little to me it seems Sorry, like bro. using a bazooka to kill an ant farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a weird analogy, but that's it's, it's a weird situation. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And and um hang on just a second. My co host Joe, he's uh he's free now, so he's able to jump on. Let me see if I can add him real quick, okay? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, let's bring more people in. The more the merrier. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Right. No, not that one. And group members. Cancel add to group. Joe. Everybody excuse me while I'm talking. Talking to myself, I have to talk to myself to make my computer uh, cooperate appropriately. Sometimes it's right. the way you got to do it. Josh Acerbo, my old lead guitarist for a band I had twelve years ago. Welcome to the conversation. How you doing? And there's Joe. Hey, Joe, how you doing, brother? Hey, how are you? I'm all right. I'm gonna make this easy for you. My name's Chris. I can remember that. <laughs> uh, my buddy Josh just yeah, turned around and said uh, real quick, he said, the thing, uh, this thing caused fibrosis. It's much worse than it would be. How bad it is until it's over, and we all likely be shit. And Don Smith just uh, decided to join us as well. Josh apologizes. He's at work right now, so he probably won't be staying long josh works uh retail. what's up don <laughs> that's right so so again guys uh we're welcoming yeah. uh chris's co-host yeah, you know, don one of the, one of the, the crazy things. sorry go ahead we're still <laughs> working out the bugs guys don has his own show my co-host Joe is <laughs> wow i'm just screwing up names tonight look at me <laughs> joe is the co-host to, to, to the other chris not this chris talking now <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> or manufacturing excuse me he's in manufacturing whole, uh, i'm larry this is my brother daryl my other brother daryl i'm my own grandpa Oh, what it's, it's kind of funny. you want you want a little bit of levity I'll give so, you um, I'll give you a tiny bit of levity when uh years and years and years ago when I was still you know uh getting high and drunk in high school I was in a band called the Fenestrate and I kid you not this band was three Chris's and two Jim um me and the two other Chris's used to walk yeah the, me, me and the other two Chris's used to walk around uh being very very nerdy and geeky you know the whole Star Trek thing like the Borg it's like we were we are the Chris resistance is futile you will be annoyed yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of I'm, I'm kind of having flashbacks to that right now <laughs> me and all the other Chris's that I hung out with in high school and this is like 40 years ago not well 30 years ago but um we uh, there was like four other Chris's that I hung out with, and we all called it the Chris Conspiracy. That was the name of our group. Uh, 
Anthony Anyways. and Richard J, Joe. welcome to the conversation. Just to let you guys know, not to interrupt you real quick. Richard J is all the way Thanks. in Wales. He's a good buddy of mine. He's What's in, up, Richard? Yeah, that's right. He's, a, he's across the pond, as it were. <laughs> as it were. <laughs> a capital day. A capital day. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, going back to what we were talking to before uh, Joe was able to uh, join, just to clue him in a little bit. Right. You know, looking for the silver lining uh, on everything that's going on. Um, you know, it, everybody has multiple, multiple news services going on. And for anybody else who's just joining us on the broadcast, there's so many negative takes that can that you can go to bed with tonight, or spend your dinner with your spouse with instead of talking positively about things. Instead of uh, focusing on the news of what they have to report, let's just figure out a way to sit amongst ourselves in these groups, practicing social distancing, and come up with some levity or some way to ways to distract from what the media. Uh, not the media focus is. I don't want to paint them in a bad light, but in some cases they are really, really uh, making people freak out. And to take away from that, turn off your local news and, and listen to this or turn on a movie, pick up a book, and figure out a way that, you know, here in, in a couple weeks, whenever the first prediction for this to be over with, which I think is way undersold, I think we're looking at more like 30 to 45 days minimum before we even start returning back to normal. Um, you know, let's look at some things that we can all do together to have more of a positive spin on things. And uh, that's what that's what me and Chris are talking about, Joe, just to bring you up to speed real quick, okay? Yeah. Um, I, I've seen a couple things on the news. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is kind of gloom and doom and, and you know, act now or, or shit's going to get real bad. Am I allowed to say shit? Is this... Yeah. This is cool. Yeah, Fuck, okay. watch your language, <laughs> damn it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> goddamn. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I've also I've also seen a lot of stories about uh, you know some good stuff going on. There's a story right there in Evansville, actually, uh, where you're at, where I used to be. Yeah. About uh, uh, some local places that are actually building masks uh, for uh, for the local hospital, the local. Yeah, healthcare. there's like six groups going so, on right now yeah. where they're doing like a sewing circle assembly yeah. line where they're building these masks. It's uh -huh. cool. Yeah. yeah, and uh, you know that's that's kind of what we need right now is just people kind of helping people uh, from that kind of standpoint. And if everyone just kind of does what they're supposed to do and behaves themselves, and I know it's hard. I mean, I've been going out every day and just kind of going for a walk with the baby and the dog and stuff. Uh, and if I see someone, I kind of walk the other direction. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you, you know, uh, just to you know to be able to go out and see the light of day and, and not feel like you're kind of, you know, on lockdown per se, um, but just go out and kind of do your, your normal routine kind of things. I can't go to the gym these days, so, um, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of go for a long walk. Went out for hiking in the desert the other day. That's that's what you do in Arizona. <laughs> There's a lot of sand and dirt that you can walk around in. So, and, um, you, you know, so we're, we're still getting out and doing things, and, and uh, it felt really good to get out there and, and uh, you know, still kind of feel like you're doing the norm on 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 the normal routine and then coming back and you know shutting her up for the night throwing on a <clears throat> throwing on an old movie or um I started watching uh Narcos 
I'm going to get a plug for our show in right now. I started watching Narcos last night. Um, so, and it's, it's a really good series. So um, shameless plug, shameless plug. Shameless fuck. Is, are we not? Are we not in the trust tree right now? What's what's going on? <laughs> Absolutely, we're in the trust tree. Well, just to let you guys know, we are joined by Meta Goodwin now. Uh, welcome, Meta. And just to let you know, I got I got admonished a little bit here by my buddy Richard J from Wales. He says, "You say I'm from Wales, and then you start uh, with mocking London accents. You guys realize London is in England, right? It's a different country. You stupid French Canadian fucks." <laughs> I thought it was all the British Empire. I love how he called us Canadian. That's sharp. I like that. <laughs> what a <about> man! <laughs> so you, you know, but you, you know, you, uh, Joe, Joe, right? It, it's Joe. Yeah. Um, you you hit the nail right on the head. It was Joe the whole time. He was in. It, the library with the candlestick next to yeah. Colonel Mustard. <laughs> but, uh, no, you hit yeah. the nail right on the head. One of the things we wanted to discuss, and, and we definitely want to get it from you guys as well, uh, listening and watching and all that, is, is just some ideas that we could throw out there. People, like uh, like you said, you went out to the desert. Uh, over the weekend, I took my kids to our local park, which when I describe a local park in Philadelphia, it's a really wooded area uh, with a creek and everything else really nobody around you and stuff i took them out for that and it's like we really should be giving people like positive things to do uh while they're while they're on for lack of a better term lockdown uh even at at the house like uh like i said during the phone conversations i took my kids uh tablets and phones away and mandatory that we sit down to watch a movie together or or uh we made it we made it mandatory. Uh, I taught them how to play uh, Magic the Gathering, you know, and my kids, I already taught them how to play, kind of play Dungeons <laughs> yeah, and Dragons, like, but games, you know, yeah. games together as a family. And one of the positives yes. that, that I Time hope... To go back to the 80s, yeah. Yeah, one of the positives I'm hoping uh, will come out of this, especially on the other side of, of, of the tunnel here, is that people do start having that family interaction where it becomes a routine to have a game family game night or a family unplug night in some way shape or form but yet where they're all spending time together because that's something that's been lost up until we were kind of forced to lock back down couldn't agree more so yeah and, and like i was talking about earlier is um one of the things that i hope comes out of all of this as we go into discussing what you can do with the family unit and whatnot to uh, make it a, a more of a positive or interactive experience and, and kind of divert, especially with the kids, you want to divert their uh, attention away from the negativity that's going on out there or, you know, all of the have-nots that are saying, we don't have this, we don't have that. You know, it, hopefully all of the things that come out of this, like game time or story time, dinner at the family table, a lot of this stuff is things that were commonplace Every day of the night, or uh, every day of the week, I'm sorry, every day of the week in America, and hopefully some of these are things that we can instill as habits that last beyond the quarantine. So that way we can get back to a little bit of, you know, old-fashioned Americana where you have dinner at, at the dinner table with your family a couple times a week just to catch up and see what's going on. And, and make that game night a regular practice or story time or family movie night or whatever. I mean, these are things that are 
we're obviously sorely missing or else everybody wouldn't be freaking out about being alone in their home with their own families for an extended period of time. Well, again, right. I mean, even even the people that like I know there's people listening right now, uh, you know, to the, to this to this uh this video, this episode, whatever, whatever you want to call it, who maybe they don't have a family, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they live alone or, or whatever the case may be, you know, there are options nowadays where you, I mean, shit, Facebook, Facebook has a, uh, a watch party, pick a movie, yep. stream it on Facebook and have people join you in a conversation. Like there, there's really in this yeah. day and in information day and age, there's, there's no excuse to feel alone. And that's really what the backbone of social media was all about to begin with. That's what this was intended for, you know, 13, 14 years ago, whenever Steve Jobs was pissed off about how the Wi-Fi is being used, he didn't want the iPhones to be what they are right now. He wanted them to be something that actually accomplished what we're talking about right now, the overall connection of everybody, being able to share ideas, share dreams, share, share stories, and everybody kind of sit around the campfire, so to speak, and share and share these ideas, or in some cases, experiences. Like this would be a great opportunity for someone to be able to go and talk to. Do you know a World War II veteran that's alive right now? Go and talk to him and record it like this. You know that what? I've been wanting to interview a World War II vet. I really have, uh, but I do. I do have to point these out in the chat here. We have uh, Richard J saying, "Speak for yourself." I'm sick of the sight and sound of my wife. Oh. <laughs> and uh josh acerbo says that i need to record some more beats uh for for you guys who don't know i've been working on a solo album i promise you josh i am still working on it <laughs> uh and hey guys jo yeah so i don't i don't mean to interrupt you uh i gotta jump off here i got uh i just had to jump on for a second to uh to kind of just <clears throat> you know uh let your voice be known yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got you got something you well, want to promote real to... quick before you before you uh, get off. Let people know where well, they can find no. you. Uh, yeah, we're at uh, what's your F and binge. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Facebook through our fan page direct link. Uh, Castbox. There's a couple other ones. Chris, Chris is pretty good at, uh, at pushing that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but I, I also do want to say that I didn't hang out with any Joes in high school because they were all dicks. <laughs> you know, my oldest but, kid is named Joe, so I, 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 I have, I'm forced to agree with you. <laughs> but uh, I do have to jump off here on the family dinner note, and uh, you know, it's it, I got a, a a quiche in the oven, so I got to jump off here and uh, don't let that motherfucker fall <laughs> and do the uh, the family thing. So, but uh, thanks for having me, guys, and uh, look forward to doing it again. Right on, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, All right, thanks. As, seen a little bit, Joe. Yep. As I was saying, Josh turned around and said the most positive thing I'm taking from this is the lesson about preparedness. There is a lot to learn here, and we are going to be okay. I am grateful for the opportunity for self-improvement. And but that's that's an awesome, awesome That thing. is a heavy, heavy subject, isn't it? Anthony, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Keep up, keep it up, I, man. I, Sorry, go go ahead. Yeah, man, I, I was just saying that's, that's a heavy topic right there. Like everybody looking at your preparedness for a month of being shut in and find out, finding out how inadequately we are prepared to the point where there's a toilet paper shortage. 
because that's the first thing that everybody focused in on. Well, you know what? That's, that you know so what? Uh, you know what? Over here at Realm of Mist, we did a uh, one of our comedy shows called After Hours, which is uh, a no holds barred being being assholes for an hour, uh, for lack of a better term. And we really did hit on that because quite that confused the hell out of me. Uh, the the whole entire to- toilet paper fiasco. Like I I, I do not get yeah. how this virus in any way, shape, or form screams. Let me get shit paper before it runs out. Like, isn't this uh, for lack of a better term? Isn't this a uh, blue with uh, on steroids? It's it's not. It's not like uh, an intestinal issue. And if that is not as clear a picture as there is on the difference between the haves and have-nots, where people stockpiled toilet paper to the to the point that if you go into the family dollar, which is like the last place you're looking to go and stockpile shit up, but if you go into the family dollar right now, up the block from you, and go back to the uh, to the paper aisle. You see nothing but shelves all the way to the laundry detergent. It's like a solid 60 feet of empty shelves, even there, let alone a Walmart or your local big-time grocery or whatever. Even it's trickled down all the way to that, and, and it's like, what a weird thing for everybody to become super super tied up over. You know, I mean, it just a... Uh, I don't even know what the root cause of that was. I don't remember seeing any news articles or anything about it. Better, better make sure you had plenty of paper goods. You know, that's just just a, a very weird thing. I don't know why everybody gravitated towards that. Well, that again, that's that's kind of my point. Is I really don't get the 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 all of a sudden major demand for for you know toilet paper, tissue paper. Uh, tissues as in like facial tissue, not tissues as in like I need to wrap yeah. a present this week. But I mean, you know, um, <laughs> and and you're right. It, it makes it makes no sense. Uh, Marcia, what's up? AKA Dusty of the uh, Sock Drawer Podcast. How you doing? Uh, joining us. <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I mean, and and you're absolutely right. It's like uh, the. The big thing, another big thing I hope people take away from this is do not revert into uh, animalistic behaviors. And I'll give an example. Uh, the local convenience stores here, known as a Wawa, I don't, I don't remember if Indiana has a Wawa there. Um, I don't think they do. Northern Indiana, Indiana does, but not down here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, well, Wawa, they, they used to have uh, self-serving coffee. They, they enforced a lot of things in there. Uh to where they only allow 10 customers in at a time. So that way they have the space with the convenience store to shop, do what they need to do. Uh, they shut down things like, uh, like slushy machines and, and uh, you know, the like, because if they can't control it or individually wrap it, they don't want you interacting with it because God forbid you're sick or you get somebody else sick or somebody gets you sick. You know, the reason with the yeah. coffee aisle, they shut down the self-serve coffee aisle, and what they did is they started making some of their employees, for lack of better terms, they made them baristas. So you walk up and you say, oh, hey, wow. I'll, I'll take a 20-ounce uh, dark roast with cream and sugar. And they make it for you, they hand it to you, you go to the, you know, you go to the register to pay for it. Apparently, uh, at one of the local Wawa's, a customer came in wanting coffee, and apparently they were out of it. They were out of that particular style of coffee. 
And this person was so irate, he tried to spit on the poor girl trying to make coffee. Oh, my God. Really? That really happened? That really happened. Jesus this, Christ, people. Yeah, you got to take a break. This is, this is what I'm talking about, about animalistic behavior. The behavior where we have teenagers walking into grocery stores over to the produce aisles and coughing and breathing on the yeah. food, hoping to make people sick. This is not a joke. This is not funny. This is this is ser- this is something serious and, and and quite honestly I got I got to think if you're if you're doing that because you want to make a Facebook video uh, and look I'm funny I like the idiots that lick ice cream you know um yeah. you know you haha this is funny <laughs> what happens if you're one of those people that didn't know you had the coronavirus and you just pass it on and you find out that that was you that that brings up a whole nother question. Um, talking about this uh, over the weekend with my wife and her sister. Uh, Sunday was my wife Angie's birthday. and Oh, happy belated and, uh, birthday. Yeah, and, and we got to spend a great, wonderful day partying at, at home together by ourselves. And um, <laughs> uh, But one of the topics of conversation, what, what I brought up is, so what happens whenever one of these big retailers who's staying open, like Target or Walmart or whatever the case is, and somebody goes in there and through no fault of their own or Walmarts or Targets, anybody's, they come out of it and get Grandma June sick. And then Grandma gets gravely ill and passes away. I wonder what the the short downfall of all of this is going to be is just an incredible avalanche of litigation. I'm hoping that's not the course that people take. But I'm wondering how many people are going to be target targeting retailers as a you know they see their bag at the end of the day you know their cash bag to be able to grab, and maybe this is a moment of weakness to get some payouts. I'm hoping I'm hoping that this isn't happening, well, and, but I, I think that there's going to be we're going to see some cases of it. Well, you know I, I do I do think I do think that the 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 retail companies like obviously this isn't a Walmart or a Target, uh, which which before I even get into that topic of conversation, you know, all of us have been singing the the songs, the heroes of the people that are continuing to work through this while the rest of us are on furloughs or, or layoffs or, or quarantine right now. Um, of course, we're talking about like our first responders, our police, our fire department, our hospital workers, our nurses, you know, and of course, sing song, sing song heroes uh, through and through because they got to be around this stuff all the time. But I gotta, yeah. I gotta give it up to the retail worker as well. I mean, because of the fact that, like, you, besides the big box guys like like uh, Walmart or Target, my, like my wife, for example, works for Dollar Tree. They're still okay. open. Yeah. They're, they're still considered uh, uh, life essential because they sell food. That that's really what what uh, why it's open is is food. And and these people, nine times out of ten, they don't make much money to be putting their life on the line which i hate to i hate to say no, yeah i hate to say i hate to say it that way because it you know it almost sounds like fear-mongering but i mean this this is a dangerous virus you know i'm not going to sugarcoat it and say well you know they might get the sniffles no they, if they got a illness or they don't take care of it right away or something like that, it, it could be life-threatening so they are putting their lives on the line um yeah and i got to give it up to some of these uh, places because they are trying to least in some way shape or form compensate like to give an example uh, my wife's job is offering everybody who's working through this right now two additional dollars an hour 
in their pay. Okay. So they, they are getting a $2 an hour raise to work. That's, I mean, it's, 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 is it, is it, you know, skyrocketing great? No, of course not. But is it something at least showing that companies are saying, yeah, hey, we, we, we recognize you're doing this? <laughs> yeah. These corporations that are going to bat and, and, uh, adding things for their employees, like what you're just talking about, the, uh, $2 an hour bump, um, or in my wife's case, uh, she uh, she bartended at a uh, place on uh, one of the busiest streets in southern Indiana, period, uh, where they, as the place became closed, they made sure that all of their employees had as much food as they could carry out. Nice. And while they, were, while they were working, you know, eat all you want, take stuff home to your family, just a great family environment. That's at the small retail area and then it moving up to a large chain like the Dollar Tree or, or Dollar Island or whatever incarnation is in your neighborhood of the dollar stores uh, like that everybody knows some form of it where they're given a, a bump hourly to their employees and if you at least here in southern Indiana if you go to one of those treat uh, one of those stores one of those dollar stores you're gonna see a lot of employees that are a little bit up there in age. You're going to see some women that are, you know, upper 50s or 60s or beyond retirement, and this is their kind of part-time gig. I mean, they are kind of putting themselves in harm's way. They really and truly are for just a couple bucks an hour. You know, at, at the end of the day, those people who are sacrificing family time and also sacrificing possibly perso personal health to stay employed and make sure that the public is able to have access to these to these goods and services, and uh, uh, I mean it's just a there are a lot of heroes out there right now that aren't being recognized. Exactly. Whether it's the corporation that you work for itself or the employee that's on the front line dealing with the public, and right now the public is being not as a whole. You're seeing this in like one or two percent of the stories, but there is a large portion of news that's coming where people are just being downright ugly, dealing with that retail employee whenever they're just enforcing what the, the corporation has told them to do, and people are being ugly with them, like the, the gentleman, I can't say gentleman at this point in time, the cocksucker who was trying to spit on the chick for serving him the, uh, not having the coffee he wanted. That's, right. I mean, nine or ten bucks an hour to sell pump of gas and then have some guy come in and try to spit at you because you don't have his... Colombian dark roast. Fuck that guy. Exactly. You know, you're you're absolutely right. Cause uh poor girl, I mean, she's she's working for peanuts to begin with. Uh she's yeah. th she's there doing a job that's probably not her normal routine at at, at that particular job to begin with. Yeah. And and this this poor girl's gotta go home to her family, whether it be a boyfriend or maybe she maybe she's young and, and lives at home with her parents, God forbid elderly parents. Yeah, you, she's like, I just got spit on and I gotta come home to everybody. Yeah, you know, and, and God forbid that person has the virus or, or whatever, or God you know, not even the virus. They could have some other disease, you know, going on that she winds up catching. It's just that's that's a horrible thing to do to somebody. And and yeah, it definitely is. Now, Josh did turn around and say uh, sleep is one of the 
single most important factors in helping your immune system fight a virus. Who is getting the least amount of sleep? Nurses and doctors. He's absolutely right on that. And of course, I've got to turn around and say hi to Kim, who joined us today, uh, just joined us. So, hi, Kim. What's up, Kim? Uh, so, yeah, uh, those frontline people that are in the hospitals, at the testing sites, in the ERs, at the MEC facilities, and, and you know, the, those kind of t- kinds of things, they're sacrificing a lot of time at home with their families, and they're doing it in a way that right now is not exactly the most protected way because they're running out of the, the mask. They're running out of the gloves. All of this stuff is going on, and they're sacrificing this time to make sure that as not necessarily a first responder, but as a person who's on the front line in the medical community to provide testing and and go through all of this stuff, they're sacrificing a lot. And and my wife was telling me about a story of of a lady today who um, she knows that she's having to spend extra time at the hospital. She works in the ER, and so she kissed her children and her spouse for the last time for as as far as she can see at least the next 30 days and wow. even if they all in the same room together she's making sure that she maintains at least six feet of distance so that way if she does cough or whatever she doesn't expose her family to it that is an incredible sacrifice to make sure that everybody else has testing available to them top-rate care, and you compound that with the fact that they're losing sleep because instead of working a 50-60 hour work week like a medical professional will, they don't work 30 or 40 hours a week like most people. They work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Right. They're sacrificing a lot of time to begin with, and they're interacting with the public who, as we just noted, can be incredibly ugly over the stupidest things. And in the meantime, they make the they have the wherewithal to be able to go home and make the changes or put the status in place to make sure that they don't risk the their family's health. You know, and the next time you see somebody and they're wearing scrubs, buy them a fucking cup of coffee. You're you're not wrong. And 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 something I'm thinking about, like just thinking about this conversation and thinking about that asshole who tried to spit on the girl. Like this this virus is is, is very, very again, we're we're looking for the silver lining and things. This virus is very, very easy to avoid when you think about it, you know, from a from a very simple common sense standpoint. One, yeah. wash your hands. Isn't that something we're supposed to do anyway? Second <laughs> off, be cognizant of people's personal space. Cover your mouth when you cough, you know? And, yeah, don't and, breathe on my neck. Yeah. Right, don't breathe down their neck. Don't be rubbing up against somebody on the bus, you know? It, it's, it seems all common sense things uh, to me, really. And, and, and the biggest, the biggest one, the biggest one of all, which should be the easiest one for everybody in the world, because we all talk about it, but it's putting it into practice is just be kind to each other. That's been the lead of my, on, on, um, the, what's your F and bitch, uh, fans, fan pages at the end of every post, you know, Hey, just remember to be kind and nice to everybody. But my sister posted this thing the other day, where, uh, ah, shit, I'm going to lose my train of thought here on this, but uh, (laughs) she was talking about the fact that, uh, you know, people are going out and they're doing these rude things, 
and they're being mean to each other and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, washing your hands, if we all master that this week, next week we all get to go out and learn our colors and shapes. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Do I have to draw on the lines? <laughs> you get to cut your uh, little finger turkey, you know, whenever you're in second grade and you do the hand turkey. Oh. Yeah, if you learn how to wash your hands, you can cut your turkey next week. Yeah. Uh, when, when do we do macaroni art? <laughs> that's that's six months down the road. Bro. Oh, wow. I got to work up to that. First, I, first I got to master safety scissors. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, no, but you're so fucking ridiculous. But it's true, you know. Man, oh. <laughs> all right, Chris. Let me <laughs> let me ask you let me ask you a question because because uh, we keep skirting yeah, around man. it. Uh, we kind of we kind of touched on it a little bit while while uh, Joe was joining us. Um, what are you and your family doing right now to 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 pass the time and keep yourself safe? Like, what what is some of the positivity that's happening over in, in your the Rudder household right now? Yeah, man. Um, so uh, we have a, a advantage or disadvantage, depending on how you look at it. Uh, I'm 50, and my daughter is uh, 25, and that's the only child that I have. Okay. So she doesn't live at home. So it's just me and my wife. And what we have done is uh, my podcast is all about binge-watching TV series. Yeah. And what people are watching. So she's joined on that journey with me and watched a lot of ridiculous shows that people have suggested to me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in the uh, interim, we've uh, stockpiled a lot of groceries. We've made sure that uh, our family has had any surplus that we have. We've been able to pass it on, especially to our daughter and her boyfriend and whatnot. And, uh, you know, uh, right now we have a pretty regular schedule of sitting down and enjoying dinner together, kind of talking about what's going on. But we take that moment to not really focus on what's going on as far as the pandemic goes, but talk about what's going on with Breaking Bad. Right. You know, what the f*** is Walt doing right now? And um, it's it's really alleviated a lot of the stress to be able to lose yourself in in one series or another. Talk about what people are, are going through on Facebook and then making fun of it. Not to make fun of the humanity part of it, but to make fun of the topical part of it. Right. And um, to avoid getting too heavy with it. That's been me and my, uh, my wife's name is Angie. That's been our biggest focus so far is not getting too tied up in what the uh, what the negativity or, or what the weight of the situation is. I mean, we have an hour or two a day where we're like, oh, fuck. But we get ourselves back to neutral, and uh, we're able to talk about, you know, hey, whenever this is all over with, I'm going to go do X, Y, Z. Or, you know, hey, tomorrow before the lockdown happens, let's go out for a walk. Let's just go on a, on a hike before the lockdown actually happens, if they roll tanks down Main Avenue, I want to say I took a walk to uh, Garvin Park and fed the ducks bread. Right. That's, that, that's kind of what we're talking about right now, and that's kind of what our, our daily is like, because we're both bartenders, which okay. means we've been part of the lockdown since uh, a week ago Sunday night. So, which which uh, means you guys are both unemployed. 
at the moment. Oh, or, yeah, yeah. As part of the service industry, uh, there, you know, it's about 12 to 15% of America, and we were at the front line of that as one of the first states that actually imposed the lockdown on non-essential shit. And so we've been unemployed since last week on Monday, and uh, we've spent a great deal, a great deal of time together. <laughs> and uh, uh, we've we've tried to be construct uh, constructive with everything that we're doing, but also at the same time, um, trying to be uplifting and looking without uh, within the community and seeing who needs help. At least posting them a tag. To let them know what 1-800 number you can call that's offering assistance right now. We've been really diligent on keeping an eye out on that stuff right now and making sure that everybody on Facebook knows everything that we hear as soon as we hear it. And maybe it, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to sound too nerdy with it, but um, a commitment to uh, public service to an extent has been our focus. There's nothing sure wrong with that. Knows what we know. There's there's and, nothing wrong with that. In most of in most of our realm of the mist videos and and audios, uh, if you look at the descriptions and right before you get into like you can find us here here and here and here, click this click this click this click this is yeah. a uh, suicide hotline, uh, which I have that's on. Something every- I'm so fucking afraid of right now, bro, is people who don't know where to go or what to do, and someone who has dealt with. An incredible amount of substance abuse in their lifetime, which I have done and I have overcome in certain ways and blah, blah, blah. But I know that there's a lot of people out there who are dealing with this that are extremely susceptible to becoming super depressed or not knowing where to go. That's my biggest fear out of all of this. You know, 30 days from now, a person you haven't heard from in three days, what's going on? Right. What's the way to be able to stay in contact with these people that you know are at risk? Just because you're not using right now, uh, you still know people who are. You know, I mean, that's kind of the way that community works. I would, and my wife and I are big examples of that. Uh, you know, knowing people who work in the strip clubs and the bars and all this stuff. And, and so you worry about them. If you don't see a post from them for a couple of days, check in. See what's up. Don't let anybody get inside their own head and, you know, fuck with them. If nothing else, just get a rise out of them, you know. Just make sure they're cool. Take the mickey out of them. No, but you have a great great point. And first off, I got I to gotta mention a binge thing because first off, Josh was talking about, like, uh, Doctor Who, and he's giving props to Jodie Whittaker uh, doing a great job. I am not a Whovian, so I'll say on okay. that. But, but in, in, in Who is good? Who is very good? But as far as far as uh, binge watching is concerned, actually one of the things that we've been doing pretty much before the lockdown, but been doing more in my household, uh, my my wife and I, we sit down and we watch. Uh, we we've been binging through the complete series of the Shield right now. Ooh, uh, neither yeah. of us have ever watched that series before. Uh, we're actually yeah. on the last disc of the final season, so it's about to end. <laughs> We're already talking about like maybe yeah. Sopranos next. <laughs> oh man! So 
our list of standing tens, if anybody wants something to be able to dive into and get you through the next two or three weeks or four weeks or whatever, our list of standing tens, if you haven't watched any of these, we highly suggest you watch The Sopranos, Sons of Anarchy, yes, Breaking yes. Bad, Game of Thrones, yes, Vikings, Peaky Blinders, Shameless, or The Office. If you watch any of those eight, there's enough content that will take you through at least the next couple of weeks. If you watch it fucking ten hours a day, you'll get through the next couple of weeks and see a lot of stuff that will distract you from what's going on out there and not paying attention to the bad news, uh, bad news bears, uh, so to speak. You know? can, I, can I throw some uh, some of my own personal recommendations in there? Along with it, bring it. Uh, well, of course, you got ten seasons of The Walking Dead. You could jump into. Um, well, that's a ten as well. But Joe doesn't agree on that, so I only throw it in whenever he's on the phone. So you can say, uh, "I hate Eugene." That's his uh, biggest thing he hates about it. But anyways. well, I, I hate Eugene too. But uh, I would, <laughs> I, I would highly, I would highly recommend uh, uh, the 2005 reboot of uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. I uh, yes. I agree with you on that one. Uh, it doesn't have enough content to make it a standing 10 for us, but I think it's very good. Yeah. Well, I think I would also throw in just, you know, either before or after you sit down for Battlestar Galactica, I've got to throw this one in. It's, it's one season, but it's, it's, it's anybody, anybody who doesn't agree is, is wrong. Firefly. <laughs> Firefly was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, about a one in one hundred mention. Very few people bring that one up. That's a good one. Yes. <laughs> and of course you got, of course you got the Star Trek seasons and everything. Not, not the new shit. Screw that shit. But I mean, like the original series, Enterprise, uh, uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. There is plenty of content out there. Yeah. So I, uh, from this conversation, and obviously for everybody. Uh, Chris and I haven't spoken uh, on any of this at, at any length at, at, at all, uh, but you're more of a Star Trek, not Star Wars guy, right? Oh, no, I'm a Star Wars guy. I'm 100% a Star Wars guy. Oh. I, like, I like Star oh. Trek, but wars all day. <laughs> okay. All right, good. So have you seen the uh, new uh, rumors on Mandalorian? Uh, with Rosario Dawson becoming Ahsoka Tano. Yes, I have seen that. And Oh, my God. That is I have so been... awesome. I have been screaming for Rosario Dawson since they came out with Ahsoka. Like, you know, I remember having this conversation on Breaking the Fourth well, Wall is that they, if they ever made a live-action Ahsoka, my first choice was Rosario. I thought she'd be perfect for it. <laughs> so my first exposure to Ahsoka was, was in 1989. I have been uh, uh, a real huge book nerd and everything, I, so I have to state my age. Uh, I'm 50, and I was there at the opening weekend of the first Star Wars. So I've been a huge fan ever since the very beginning. Uh, and, I'm 43, and I was there. I was five months old, but I was there. <laughs> <laughs> My mother took uh, me. So, um, uh, she has been an incredible character that has been woven through all of the book series, but never made a screen appearance. She's one of only three characters who has done that, been in all of the book series, but never actually been on screen. And the fact that they're bringing her on is super fucking exciting. I can't wait to see what uh, uh, what he does with the next season. 
obviously bringing her on into production and everything and, and writing that story. He's done such a great job with it. Um, there isn't a mark I can give it give against it other than the fact that there's just not enough actual volume of material to give it a, a, a pure 10, uh, so to speak. But uh, that is definitely a Mandalorian and what they're going to do with it is going to become a 10 and it's going to be an all-time great, I think. Well, the big the big thing is, is and and, and uh, you know, I know a lot of people are very polarized about the Disney era of Star Wars. You know, the the the, the sequel trilogy. Oh, yeah. uh, most people like Rogue One, but they hate it Solo, or or whatever the case may be. But the, most people can't deny, man. Like Mandalorian's a hit. It's so solid. It's solid <laughs> on every stance, man. It, it's it's just a really great series. The production and the writing of it. The special effects they've thrown into it, obviously they have a Disney budget behind it, but it, it's absolutely incredible, and, and it's uh, only going to do more, and uh, with this addition, with her coming in, it's just going to be fabulous. It really oh. is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but I, I am going to say one thing to all the, all the Star Wars fans, especially the Fairweather fans that are into The Mandalorian. Baby Yoda is not Yoda. No, he is not. <laughs> He is not Yoda. They only call him Baby Yoda because George Lucas has never officially released the name of the race that Yoda comes from. Yeah, that, uh, there, there is a female Yoda. Her name is... Um, Yodel. Uh, Yodel. Yodel. Yodel, yep. She appears in the Clone Wars and, and other stories. Well, the race the race itself is, is still kind of a mystery unless you read some you know, really far-reaching shit that doesn't have anything to do with uh, canon. But uh, 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 just the fact that they're including the baby, which in the first, in the third episode of The Mandalorian, whenever the Mandalorian meets uh, the Imperial, who's wanting to go after the baby, yeah. if you freeze-frame that initial meeting, you'll see that the scientist who comes in and startles the Mandalorian, and they all draw guns on each other, if you freeze frame that, you'll see that he is wearing a bracelet that has the symbol of the cloners. Oh, the the Caminos, the Camino yeah. Knights. Okay, yeah, and that makes. So, uh, uh, I think that there is going to be, if it's not this season, hopefully the next season they will bring in the fact that that has something a whole lot to do with cloning and the old empire. Well, now I'm wondering if maybe Baby Yoda is Yoda. Maybe they cloned Yoda. Well, uh, no, no, that that cannot be the case. Um, there was something that was written in the Han Solo series, series uh, where they brought in some uh, Jedi lore into that. And the cloning of a Jedi is forbidden and actually not possible. Oh, and to be fair, uh, to be fair, George Lucas did have a... Uh, a for Yoda's race originally, the the race name was going to be the Wills. It's one of the, the first. Uh, it yeah. was one of the first ideas for the. Wills. Of course, later on, that became a, a type of religion uh, within canon. But uh, he did have an idea for Yoda, but then he decided that he did. He, it was better for people to never know Yoda's race, like right. to, to leave Yoda the mystery. Oh, and I hope they. And I hope they continue with that, but we're talking about Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau. If anybody's going to protect Lucas's uh, 
legacy, it would be them too. <laughs> John Fabro has done such an incredible job with this, uh, writing in so many of the first eight episodes have so many tones of the uh, the quick and the dead, or um, the good, it, bad, and the ugly. It he very much it does have Western. a spaghetti western feel to it, doesn't it? And that it was exactly what Lucas's original idea was: was to make it a spaghetti western with a space opera feel. And he has done such a good job with that, adhering to those principles and uh, just bringing in the Mandalorian character. I mean, he gets fucked up every episode. He gets shot, rattled, blah, 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 all of this stuff, which is all things that you see the anti-hero go through in Spaghetti Westerns. He's just done an incredible job with that. I, I can't give kudos enough. With, an, with a couple more seasons of content, it's an, an absolute Hall of Fame show if they keep it on the same rail that they're going right now. I, well, I think it's incredible. Well, again, like like throwing Dave Filoni's name into it, uh, the re-release of, uh, of uh, uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars when we go into a cartoon, which, by the way, another yeah. series you can sit down and binge watch, um, with Season 7 going on right now. We're only five episodes in. This is a solid season. Have you seen the, the new episodes? Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the newest episode is about Ahsoka. <laughs> and, and, and it's almost topical the way that that news is matching the real world. But um, the fact that they're following so many canon storylines in in the new series, and you, I think we have like 12 more episodes to go before it's a wrap, but uh, it, it's just incredibly well done. They're drawing from the well from the actual movie, the three trilogies they're drawing from the well from the clone wars they're drawing from the well from the mandalorian and they're going to combine it all together here in this last hurrah is um just really really good teamwork and really good production and and everybody's sharing of what their writing ideas are that they're all tying together that way right now it's fucking awesome man oh it is it's it's such a great time to be a star which what makes me sad like you mentioned star trek i am a star trek fan too and as much as like you know maybe some people aren't through the newest movies the tie-ins to the older movies in 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 the formats of of of, of you know whether it's the one-off movies like solo or rogue one because I'm, I'm solo is kind of polarizing yeah. but most people like I, I, i'll tell you straight out i could live without rogue one i could but i couldn't live really? without that oh. i I could not live without two minutes of a Vader hallway scene. I'm sorry, that was price of right? admission right there. As far as a standalone series without any actual Jedi involvement, other than the, I think it's three minutes and twenty seconds of total screen screen time with uh, Darth. Um, without that three minutes, uh, I I think it's a, an exceptional job of. of tying some things together without any Jedi involvement. And uh, I, I think that really speaks well to the future of what they can do with the franchise. You don't have to continue forever with Skywalker to make the Star Wars series exciting and to involve a lot of people in it. And I think they showed that with that one movie. I think that was really the principle of that, is to see how many tickets they could sell without it being a Skywalker episode. And I think that they really 
it was a proving ground for them, and I think that they did prove some things that enough people will still buy tickets that is viable to do stories without Skywalker being the center of it. Well, see, uh, which is good. You you may have misunderstood me when I say I could do without Rogue One. That doesn't mean that I hate the movie. I love the movie. I love the movie a lot. In fact, to me, to me, it uh, ranks directly underneath Empire Strikes Back in in the grand scheme of Star Wars. You know, like Rogue One's a really solid movie. But I'm saying, if if you would have wipe away everything else in Rogue One and just gave me the hallway scene, I would I would walk out of that theater feeling like money well spent. (laughs) That that's what I mean by that. But uh, okay, to the to the point to the point that I was going with it was like. Star Wars, for the most part, has been going in the right direction, whether you agree with uh, the sequel trilogy, you agree with Star Wars Resistance, which, quite honestly, if I ever talked bad about anything Star Wars, it would be Star Wars Resistance. Um, but yeah. that that's just bad. But um, that's, that's holiday special bad. But, you know, <laughs> as far... As far as as far as Star Trek on the opposite end of the coin, Picard and Star Trek Discovery are just complete disappointments. Yeah, yeah, the Picard series is not doing anywhere near as well as they hoped. Uh, the reviews of it, and I'm not a big Star Trek guy. Now, I will admit that the last two new movies that came out, I actually enjoyed them way more than I did the old ones whenever I was a teenager. All right. the ones that came out from the 80s to the early 90s were all just rehashes of old plots. And this one, even though it was like, you know, with Khan, it was a reintroduction. It was a it was a redo, but they brought in some new stuff. I enjoy the new movies a lot better than I have a lot of other stuff. Um, so, you know, it, it's a complicated series because it has so much canon. It has so much fandom that goes all the way back from the 60s till now. So it's hard to speak negatively about it. But uh, I, I enjoy the new movies more than I do the older ones. You can never beat the old 60s and 70s episodes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think Star Wars has uh, taken, like, way more major steps towards staying current and um, staying topical and, and staying on point. Uh, where a Star Wars or a Star Trek keeps rehashing old shit, you know? Well, you know, like, to the people, and I'll say it on this. Uh, it's kind of funny. We we started off on the coronavirus, and now we're on Star Wars. I'll say this. To the, peop- <laughs> to the people, I've been saying this throughout the whole entire uh, trilogy, uh, with the se- as far as the sequel trilogy is concerned. A lot of people have been blasting it, hating it, you know, and there there's some things I didn't like about it. I'm, it's definitely... Nothing is touching the original trilogy. It's just it. We know it's no. not happening. But lightning in a bottle will never strike twice. But I mean, I think the sequel trilogy is going to get the same treatment the prequel trilogy did back back nineties and early two thousands when it first released. It released to people hating it. People hated Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. They especially hated Attack of the Clones. Most people like. Revenge of the Sith, and I think we got the exact same thing out of the sequel trilogy. A lot of people did like The Force Awakens, but Last Jedi was extremely polarizing, and most people don't really know how to feel about Rise of Skywalker. Give it about 10-12 years, I think people are going to appreciate the film for what it is. And one of the things I've been preaching throughout the whole entire thing is, you know, like when people were bad-mouthing Last Jedi, the trilogy's not done. 
don't take this no. as bi Bible thumping yeah. truth right now. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, and that's for sure. Yeah, and, and and there's so many open-ended topics that have come up over the last trilogy, and of course with the prequels, there's a there's a lot of empty space in there for Disney with, being such a powerhouse production company that they can really fill in a lot of gaps. If they stay even halfway close to canon in all of those gap periods of time, they have just a endless plethora of movies to be able to produce that are going to be polarizing or distancing or bring in new fans. But no matter what, whenever they release something, people are going to watch it. And if they, as long as they do a good, solid job with it, I'm cool with it. I'm really cool with the fact that there is a studio that owns all the rights to it and that they're committing to do the long term with it. And, and I think that's a good thing. I really do because they're going to be able to bring a lot of stories to light that a lot of, a lot of passerby fans would never be privy to. And I think that's something that Disney's actually going to be able to uncover or be able to put on the screen that would never have been able to put uh, put up on screen if it was still just Paramount and Fox. Hey, you're, and I think that's a good you, thing. You're absolutely right, but I will say this much. If, if Disney ever listens to any show I'm on, which I know they're not, but if they yeah. if Kathleen Kennedy's ever listening to me one day, you want to win the fan backs, fans back. It's, it's it's extremely simple. You don't have to go through all the legend stuff to, to win them back. You don't. You don't have to make everything exactly like the original trilogy. You don't. If you want to win the fans back, you were on the right track when you were bringing on the Game of Thrones guys, Benioff and Weiss. You were on the right track with it because yeah. what they were supposed to do. But it's very simple. Make Revan canon. You make Revan canon, yeah. and all will be forgiven within the Star Wars universe. I promise you, because the fans are screaming for Revan. Revan and Thrall. <laughs> Revan, Thrall, Malice. You know, yeah. You, you, you give them... But you, those two are... You give them a... Are definitely runners. Yeah, definitely. You give them a spin-off movie, and you can make it exactly like the plot line from Knights of the Old Republic video game. You can make the, from beat to beat, the, the, yep. the plot line for that, and release that. You can release it straight to DVD for all we care. You give them that where he's now canon. You've won the fan base back. I promise and, and you. And that does, uh, to a certain extent, take a little, little bit of Lucas signing off on, and he's been reluctant to this point. But I believe that after the Mandalorian's huge success, that's got to be something that they're talking about. It has to be something that they have to bring in because that's a whole other nine movies. If you do it the way that they've done with the Skywalker uh, plan uh, with Revan, you, you could do a minimum, a minimum of a trilogy. But you could probably squeak six out of it and maybe do a triple trilogy out of it. Well, let me uh, let me ask you with with Disney Plus right now and and Mandalorian and, and Clone Wars being so hot, would a movie be the right way to go, or maybe the streaming service and a, a, a an episodic show devoted to Revan? Uh, no, I believe that six hours of content right now is better than two hours, uh, just because of everybody's viewing habits. Yeah, you're you're losing the prestige of a billion dollar box office, but. If you're doing everything with streaming the way Disney is right now, you're talking about 
not just a billion dollar box office. You're talking about a billion subscribers. Well, that that's my point. Would it not be a better better choice to go go TV show on on Disney yeah. Disney Plus stream as opposed to a big screen theatrical yeah, if, release? If you, leave, if you were to leave the Mandalorian as it sits right now, which is not complete, but those eight episodes drew just as many viewers as the Rise of Skywalker, right? And uh, being able to take a story and extrapolate it over eight hours instead of the two hours that you're given on the big screen, you're able to fill in a lot of blank spaces, you're able to fill in a lot of story, and you're able to actually bring in, even if it's not considered canon, you're able to bring in a lot of connections to canon that you would never get the opportunity to do on the, uh, on the big screen. So yeah, I, th I think that that is actually the way of the movie production future, actually. I, th I think that's something that we're going to see a lot more of over the next five to ten years uh, is uh, extended play on something instead of it being a trilogy. Uh, multiple seasons of eight to ten or twelve episodes is going to get a lot more viewership and a lot more revenue for them as a studio, but it's going to be able to fill in a lot more details that you that you can get uh, on just a silver screen uh, production, to be honest. I well, think that's the way to go. Well, you know what? It kind of brings us back to the topic at hand. Uh, not that I want to step away from Star Wars. You, I could talk Star Wars all night. Um, <laughs> but it brings it brings us back to a topic of conversation <laughs> where we're talking about like positive things that could come out of the, the other side of the coronavirus epidemic we're going on right now, or pandemic, yeah. as it is. Uh, you, me, and, uh, and Michael Moore were talking about it earlier on the phone. Uh, where a lot of uh, these these uh, movie industries, uh, these studios are are talking about releasing their their next sets of movies that were supposed to be released, like Wonder Woman nineteen eighty or or what eighty four I think it is or whatever. Yeah, uh, the prequel. Yeah. They're supposed they're supposed to uh, right now be in talks to be uh, straight to digital release. Uh, as opposed to going into the theaters, obviously in the uh, pandemic of the uh, of the virus, um, which, by the way, is not a terrible idea. However, no. on the opposite end of this, once this pandemic is over, maybe that's the way to go. We were talking about it before. Outside of the uh, the the human connection of of socially all getting together to enjoy a, a movie, really, it seems to me like you would have a better sales box offices, if you will, if you were to release movies socially, like before you release them on DVD or you make them streaming services or whatever else you release them socially where people could be in a chat room. Like we're doing right now, a Facebook live where people could talk during the movie. So you have your social interaction, but you're sitting in your, the comfort of your own home. You could pause the movie to take a leak. You could, uh, eat your own snacks that cost a hell of a lot less than the concession stands in the movie theaters. <laughs> yeah. You know, and today's day and age, most people own like wall TVs or whatever now. So you could still have kind of the big screen experience. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that that is a, there is a calling card in there. Uh, where the industry is getting ready to make a, a, a huge transition, uh, where the uh, television set is no longer considered to be the minor leagues. There used to be a time, you know, especially from the 70s till the late 90s, early 2000s, where people who primarily were in movies 
would never be caught dead on TV unless it's the end of their career or they're trying to reboot. Right. And I think now we have moved into a transitional period where a lot of big screen actors are enjoying the intimacy that comes from being on the small screen where all of the fans are able to interact and, and they're able to have, uh, you know, stay at home on Sunday and everybody watches Game of Thrones. To have your movie be embraced that way in, increases the fandom that's behind your name, increases the uh, star power that's behind the, the production and the name of the movie itself. Uh, I think there's a huge transition coming that a lot of people... Not that you have to pay attention to it, but you know it's kind of what, kind of what I do for a semi living uh, with the podcast is looking <laughs> at what's coming in the next five years or so. Is there's a huge transition that people aren't really aware of, kind of similar to uh, the move from being wired in cable to streaming. Right. I mean cable, cable, and and FiOS and all that. They're 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 losing the war to. Stream. To to Roku to to once Fire Stick. Once the cord cutting revolution started, there's no stopping it, and I think the same thing is in is in effect for these huge movie production houses, and the ones who embrace it first, like Disney, like Fox, like Paramount, like FX. They're the ones that are going to be hugely ahead of the curve because mm -hmm. they're they're producing four TV content that 25 years ago would be big screen only. Right. There, there's no way. There's no way. Even 10 years ago, Mandalorian would have been a television series. No. Hell no. No. Everybody would have laughed at it like that was an experiment. Even though it's Star Wars and it's going to draw huge, huge numbers, people would have been like, "Yeah, but that's just because it's Star Wars." Well, now you look on Paramount, and Kevin Costner has that uh, show Yellowstone. That's a fucking mini movie. Well, I think I think I think uh, I think who really paved the way for that, if I may, uh, I think it's Benioff and Weiss. I think it. I think it's Game of Thrones. I think Game of Thrones and AMC as a company themselves. Those, yeah, you were you were on the right path there. Yeah, well, the definitely. reason. The reason I give it the Game of Thrones was they were doing high budget, high special effects uh, within Game of Thrones. Like you take away the sex position and everything else that was in Game of Thrones, and you look at it, it's an action adventure epic uh, with political undertones that should have been on the big screen because of its budget. Yes, it should have been. It should have been a, a nine piece trilogy, three, 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 and three uh, over the course of twenty years, really. Right. If but, there wasn't HBO to do that, that's the way it would have been, and it would have been lost after the third movie. That would have been the end of it. And that that's my point. Like shows like The Mandalorian and and these epics that that should be movies now that are that are television series, they're all existing now because Game of Thrones took that gamble and worked. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah unless you argue the last season, but I mean, <laughs> for, for the well, most part, know, it the worked. Three episodes, the last three episodes of the last season is the reason there's a lot of rumors that um, he's reshooting those and rewriting those. There's possibly a spinoff that goes into one of the cottage um, uh, seasons that comes out. Um, there's talk about them redoing those last three, and the only reason they're talking about it is because people really hate the fact 
that he was out of the last three episodes as far as writing and directing and producing goes that it it really took a noticeable turn. But here's it, the it, here's the thing about it though, and I I, I will defend George R. R. Martin and I will defend Benny Wise in this one instance. As far as and I'm not thrilled with the ending of Game of Thrones either, but you know, right. spoilers for those that have not watched it yet. I'll throw a spoiler warning on there for you. <laughs> All right. Brand the broken becoming king. I hate it. I absolutely that despise was such it. Lazy writing. But such here's the deal. Writing. But here's the deal. When Benny and Weiss approached uh, uh, George R. R. Martin to do Game of Thrones, the the story goes that George made them sit down with him, and he said one little thing to him: "Who in the end gets the throne?" Right. And if they were able to guess it, he would allow the series to happen. They guessed it. So guess what? Bran the Broken was always supposed to get the throne. My argument isn't yeah, so that much that it was lazy un- writing. Right. Yeah. It, it, so my argument isn't so much that it's uh, that it's lazy write, writing. I think it was stupid to just go six episodes. I think a lot more story had to be put in to put that in place. Even at the hour and a half clip that they were running the last three hours or three episodes, yeah, they, they could have definitely gone for ten episodes and the whole season be an hour and a half, and they could have got there. But the way they went into it, the last two episodes, there was the rush to get it to be him. That's that's what I consider the lazy writing. Right. They had to the end, and they had two episodes to get there. And if they would have had just four episodes instead of the two, they could have written it in smoothly, I think. And, and there would be a lot better payoff at the end. I think there would have been a be- better payoff, but like... Uh... A lot of the things were not earned. A lot of the things that people bitched about, they're right. Because it, it, they, because of the fact that they, the last two seasons, they shortened them and, and tried to rush everything at once. Uh, the, two, the two biggest arguments was how the hell did Bran become king? Of course, he right. was intended to become king. And second off was Khaleesi, Daenerys, her, 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 her turn. She was the good girl that everybody rooted for up until she was sitting on that that wall at the Red Keep, and then all of a sudden, when the bells ring, she just goes, well, fuck it, I'm burning everybody. Yeah, she goes mad and crazy, so obviously you have to lose your love for her. But here's the, th- here's the thing, and again, I hate defending it, because I get where people are coming from, and I think it would have been explained better if you would have just done se- Season 7 and Season 8 as 10 episodes, uh, like you said, at an hour and a half, but uh, Daenerys was a Targaryen. They're known to f- a dime. What's the what's yeah. the what's the phrase in the show? What was yeah. what was the what was the phrase on the show? When a Targaryen is born, uh, the gods flip a coin. It was something right. like similar to that, as far as whether they would be like great yeah, or orange, yeah. or tyrannical. And, and that was part of their family lineage was to become crazy at any given moment mm-hmm. uh, over no particular thing, and uh, they really shortchanged that a lot. That could have been dra- drawn. Drawn out a little bit, uh, not not just to fill in the blanks, but they could have really shown a lot of backstory to show why it's about to happen, instead of just imposing that that's what's going to happen. Uh, if I think. if I was the writer, I would I probably would have taken what a lot of people would have considered the the uh, the uh, uh, obvious choice or the safe choice, the safe bet. Uh, but at the same time, if there's one thing I was most disappointed in was Jon Snow's ending. 
I now. think I think John should have had the throne because he's the rightful heir. He should have had the throne and then given it to Brendan. At least that. I didn't like that. He just yeah. uh, all of a sudden he's a he's a traitor and he's sentenced back to the Night's Watch. And I I, I don't I, I don't even know how to take his ending. It seems to me like he's abandoning it and just becoming, you know, uh, 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 I forget what they're called the the wild people of the north. The wildlings. Yeah. The wildlings. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. Seems like he just abandoned the watch and became a wildling. Yeah. And, That's and a, a terrible of- ending for his story arc. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think at the very least, ascending the throne and then giving it to his brother, who was the rightful born, you know? Especially because uh, he knows he's a Targaryen, so he hands it to Bran because it's right. like, I don't yeah. want to become... Yeah, I don't want to go crazy. Yeah, and If I'm a Targaryen in power, I'm going to go crazy is the way it, it, it is looked at. And... Uh, you know, him ascending the throne and then giving giving it to Brendan, I think, would have been a more plausible ending, at the very least. But I will say this much. Uh, my two favorite endings of that were the finished storyline of Sansa and Arya. Arya going off exploring and having adventures and Sansa sitting down as the, uh, the Her Red and the Wolf. Hound, that opens up. Her and the Hound uh, exploring together opens up ten fucking seasons of never-ending shit. That mm-hmm. they can get in, and uh, it would just be a laugh because the hound. One of the things I liked about the hound from the very beginning is everything he says is comedy go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <it is. laughs> but I mean, but I mean, I I love the fact that she's off on adventures, going to see where uh, where the map ends and what's beyond, and Sansa yeah. becoming becoming the Red Wolf of the North, the the Queen of the North. I yeah. thought that I thought that was yeah, fitting. Yeah, those, those things going on. Yeah, definitely a lot of room there, and they could definitely pick up. But I think they're going to be more interested in doing prequels at this moment. Um, but they definitely left a lot of room uh, well, to be able to do some stuff. Aren't isn't the spinoff show supposed to uh, be around? It is a prequel, but it's supposed to be around uh, his other book, Fire and Blood, the the story of the Targaryens. Right. Yep. Yeah. I, I He's going to so. do a Targaryen. They're, they're going to do a Targaryen story and supposedly a Stark's uh, story. So we'll see. Well, they kind of go hand in hand, right? Uh, yeah, I, you, you know what? It, it, to, to be fair, though, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I am wrong. There's one other story that I thought was a complete waste, and it pissed to the point that it pissed me off. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of people, it, it pissed me off. It actually pissed me off worse than Jon Snow's ending, and that's Jamie Lannister. Right, Jamie, you yep, spent yep. you spent eight seasons having him be the most despicable fucking character on the planet, who turned around and redeemed himself in every way, right. shape, and form, and then just to throw it all away to die with a sister, to just die die like that in the tunnels in a ball of flame, like oh fuck, and that was that. But the reason uh, he the reason he was even in those tunnels is that oh I'm not a good guy I'm going back to 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 Jane or to to, right. to Cersei. And, no, he fucking wouldn't. Not with what you set up. No. <laughs> yeah, he would have ba- abandoned her very quickly, especially over the last two seasons. You see the separation definitely occurring naturally, and and the fact that they let him go back in there was just such a. They really retreated on the characters. Um, character 
you know, to be uh-huh. honest with you. Yep. Uh, they really let that go, and uh, that plays part in the lazy writing uh, that I was talking about, that they just try to tie everything together in too neat of a bow, and uh, just because the ending was already there. I think I think if you wanted them both to die together, like they were at the Red Keep, obviously, and and this is the point where Danny goes nuts. Again, if I was the writer, I would have had Jamie make it to the Red Keep, and he's fighting with the the, the emotions to to uh, kill Cersei, which is what he's there to do. But he's fighting with the emotions like this is my twin sister, and while he's standing there, that's when Danny starts going ape shit and fucking sends a wall over top of them. Then you still kill them both. They die side by side, but it wouldn't have killed Jamie's fucking story arc. Right, right. Yeah, they let it die pretty lazily. You know, um, and uh, the way that Danny ended on screen, uh, I'm okay with that. The way Jon Snow ended, I'm not okay with, and the way Jamie ended. Actually, I'm really not okay with Jamie and Cersei both. Um, I, I think that uh, Jamie may have waded through whatever uh, monsters were in the way, uh, so to speak, to kill her. That's 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 what I'm saying. That if I were to write it, that's the way I would have wrote it. I wouldn't have had him leave Brianna Tarth because he's not a good guy. He, I would have seen him as going there to end this, yeah, once and for all. And once he's standing before. Uh, Cersei and especially Caesar, uh, you know, have her be as she was, where she finally gets scared and she drops the facade, and she's standing before Jamie and she's pleading for her life because she's scared out of her mind. That's where Jamie hesitates, where he's like, "I was here to do this, but I'm seeing my sister again for the first time." Right. And during that hesitation, that's when you know the keep collapses and both mm-hmm. of them get crushed under the weight. At least then you you arrived to the save point you had written down, but it would have saved both characters in some yeah. way, shape, or form. That, 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 personal opinion. Up on them without any action, he could have taken action or taken inaction, like you're talking about, and uh, there would have been some sort of a resolution to the way the both characters went through the entire series. I'll tell you what, though, it's a missed opportunity that the person not sitting on the Iron Throne is fucking Tyrion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that could definitely come out of that. That's for sure. Actually, actually, if I could correct you, like the Helm may have been comedy gold, but if if I were to have a spinoff series with Arya and a comedy uh, relief, her and Tyrion, I would have Tyrion following her all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting drunk yeah. and giving her advice, <laughs> getting her into yeah. all kinds of trouble with his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tyrion was definitely a saving grace in a lot of dull spots in there. Well, not a lot. There wasn't a whole lot. I mean, there's probably like, you know, out of the whole eight seasons, there's probably, you know, maybe five or six hours of like, okay, come on, let's get on with it. But anytime they could throw in Tyrion, it, it was always just always you know, good. You know, it's been a while since I watched the series. I do have the, the series on DVD, but uh, it's been a while since I sat down and watched it. But thinking about it, I, there's a lot less fluff or filler episodes in Game of Thrones, at least to my memory, than a lot of other right shows. There. Yep. There was, uh, in each season, there's probably one episode where they're trying to carry the plot and get you to the resolution of what that story is. But other than that, no, it's all straight driving to the finish line, pretty much season after season after season. 
And just you can't speak on how well written of a series that is until the last three episodes of the last season. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's still a Hall of Fame ten. Period. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A- absolutely. I, even even with the disappointing ending, I mean, it's not the first series uh, that ever gave me a disappointing ending. One of the first ones that comes to mind uh, that I remember having where the ending just completely pissed me off was Quantum Leap. <laughs> yes, Quantum Leap. You see, yeah, you see- that ended on a very sour note. The the series actually, a lot of people think that it got canceled, but the uh, series actually ran its natural course. And on the last episode, they let it go out with a fart instead of a you know a big bang. But it actually ran its course. Mm-hmm. And uh, people, there's a lot of people now who have no idea what Quantum Leap is, but it ran its whole six seasons and got to the conclusion. Um, it was just a very it- it was a lackluster conclusion. Where, Very where he, poorly written conclusion. Yeah. Where he, where he, where he, what was it? He stopped. He stopped, or was trying to stop the assassination of JFK. And yeah, and he was like, can't change history, and that was that. And the end of the episode, you know, the whole entire purpose and and uh, of of Quantum Leap was this guy's trapped in in time, where he's uh-huh. taking over other people's bodies. He's got to right wrongs in their lives. And sooner or later, he's going to be able to leap back to his time, his home, where he can rejoin his family. That's the whole premise of the show. So right. you're watching the show, and the whole entire time, you're rooting for him to finally, this will be the one where he leaves home. And we know this is the final episode of the season. He does what he's supposed to do. And then they give you the the, 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 the text outros, you know, talking about like, okay, this person's doing this with their life, and this person's doing this yeah. with their life. Yeah, they and Sam continued yeah. and Sam continued leaping never returning home. Are you fucking kidding me? Really? That's how you're ending it? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it was uh it was poorly executed for a good series. It really was. That's actually uh my wife anytime we see that, she's like, "Oh, I love that show. I used to watch it all the time. It was great. It was Favorite. great theater. It was great drama." And brought in a lot of things. You're able to see time crossing and everything, and and uh, just the way that they ended the series. It never, because the way they ended it, it will never get the recognition that it actually deserves. It was, it was a great series. It really was. One of my favorite episodes was when he was a pregnant woman. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch the series. You'll understand what I mean. Yeah, there was actually a couple series where he crossed. Dressed, uh, or a couple uh, episodes where he did the cross-dressing thing, uh, which both of them were absolutely hysterical. One of them, he was a 1950s something uh, nurse, and it was just uh, uh, absolute uh, chaos all the way through it because he did not know how to handle anything being a woman. I think it was in, in like season two or something like that. Anyways, uh, yeah, it, it, it was hysterical, the premises they put him in. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and you always look forward to the next week because they, they would always show like he resolved the situation and he would leap and it would automatically bring him to the next leap. So, so the ending of the episode, you see him inhabiting the next body he's going to be in. And it's always in some fucked up situation like the pregnant lady's about to give birth and he's pushing and pushing it. And all of a sudden he leaps and he wakes up as a black guy that's being lynched. Yeah, yeah. So horrible. If they were to do that now. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it was perfect storytelling, and it always ended with him going, oh, boy. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> if they were to do a series like that and have that kind of thing going on, uh, it, it would be taken off the air on the first episode. I don't think uh, so, they, though, because they, 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 there was... They had a lot of great uh, subject matters and, and social matters on, oh, on Quantum yeah. Leap, and especially because Sam yeah. went to right those types of wrongs. I think that would be the saving grace. It's not like he ever appeared on screen on in blackface or anything. So right, he, ne- not he like- never leapt, he never leapt into Adolf Hitler. You know? right. <laughs> yeah, but you were able to see all the backdrop and the and the everything that was going on and and. Uh, Oh man, just uh, the the way that they would get to the ending of it and talk through the social matters of the time. Like, well, uh, I can't remember what's his face who guided him through the leaps for the life of me right Al. now. But Al, played yeah. by the great Dean Stockton. Dean Stockton, yes. And whenever Dean would talk to him about, you know, <laughs> hey, we got to watch out for this or that. Like he he morally guided him but didn't actually guide the actions of what was about to be going going on. So it could be a reboot or something they could do now. Uh, but there was definitely a lot of testy situations. Take it easy, Josh. Thanks for hanging with us. Sorry, carefully. Sorry, we our, our longest watcher had to go, so I was saying goodbye to him. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> no, but you're you're absolutely right. In fact, I I I, I think we should actually put like I, I'm not one of those people who do the. Uh, the uh, uh, you know petitions—that's the word I was looking for. The online petitions to get this and that and the other done. In fact, I've done one petition. Yeah. I've done one petition in my life uh, as a joke to to piss off a friend of mine that uh, pineapples do belong on pizza. Um, but <laughs> uh, the only petition I've ever actively involved myself in is the last three censuses. Is that I have uh, declared myself as Jedi as an official religion. That's the only thing that I've ever uh, participated in, as far as that goes. But never I, a TV show. I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll I'll, I'll go with that. Um, I'll, I'll I'll join the Church of the Wills. Well, I'll, hey, they think a hundred thousand people say so makes it so. And uh, during the last uh, census, there were eighty-four thousand people who uh, claimed Jedi as a religion. So we're almost there. Well, I almost, I almost think I, I don't know so much about reboot, but I, I almost think we got to put put a petition out to bring back Quantum Leap. I think that would actually be a really good just bring it back. You don't have to reboot it, boot it. We don't have to recover all those old stories. Just bring it back. Uh, I think it would be good. It would be topical now. They'd be able to revisit a lot of past situations and make it really cool. And um, I'm sure Scott Bakula will jump on board. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, we would definitely have to source another lead actor, but uh, <laughs> why, why would we let let Scott do his thing? I mean, he is Sam. He, he is Sam, and and Scott is still very viable. I think he's not quite sixty, so we'd be able to get some years out of it. Uh, but it would definitely be a great series, regardless. And we could we could we could time move it where he has been leaping all this time. So it would explain his age and his and his you know the way he looks and everything, and and you know I mean, we could actually give a a logical resolution to Quantum Leap. Yeah, I think I think we should bring it back. Have one at least one more season. At the very least, do like a trilogy. Do like a two hour 
per episode miniseries and tie it together in a good little knot instead of leaving it open for the people who watched it live like we did apparently. Um, yeah. You know, because there was a bad ending to that. There's a bad taste uh, in the mouth of a lot of Quantum Leap fans on the way that it ended. So if they could do like a weekend miniseries or something, um, or a Disney release or what you know, whatever, anything like that where they could just put a good bow on it and wrap it all up once and for all would actually be probably pretty fucking cool. It would be. And while we're on the topic of, of conversation, guys, also, please, hurry the fuck up with season three of the Orville. <laughs> I'm like Joseph for some Orville here. <laughs> yeah, that's on, uh, like, year three, right? Yeah. For it's, the hiatus? Yeah, it, 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 it's on hiatus. It's no longer on Fox. It's supposed to be on a streaming service now or something, I think. Uh, they, it's supposed to be a Netflix uh, original now. Oh, is it a new ne- season comes out? It is a Netflix it original Netflix. now. Okay. Yeah, it is now going to be a Netflix original, but we're still 2021. I think is the earliest projections on release. So I mean, we're still another year and a half away. I think it's dumb of Fox to let that go. I, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Orville is more Star Trek than Star Trek right now. They did an incredibly good job with it. Uh, they, they did really good with their settings, really good with the writing, and uh, just you know the special effects and the tie-in, uh, just a really good series, and, and it is more contemporary than Star Trek, which makes it better. Well, what's really, what, what's really funny about it is you look at Seth MacFarlane and you look at his, 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 his body of work, you know, Family Guy, Ted, uh, yeah. Million Ways to Die in the West. He's, he's, he's a comedian, and he's a raunchy comedian at that. So you expected, when, when Orville was announced and, and came out, you expected a comedy with sci-fi elements. You expected Galaxy Quest. Right. Instead, I, what we yeah. got was fucking science fiction with comedy elements. Yep. He wrote a great fucking series. If anybody, if anyone back in the day, which Gene Roddenberry grew up and uh, he uh, came up with the Star Trek series here in my neck of the woods in southern Indiana, he worked at a hobby store uh, over on uh, Morgan Avenue, uh, actually here in, in my town. And while he was writing those, if if science fiction at that point in time would have had the leeway to involve some comedy. Um, this is what it would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you're talking about, uh, Orville. It, it, they really stepped out there on a limb and included a lot of great science fiction writing <laughs> and included the comedy in it to give it, uh, you know, the Seth MacFarlane feel. But, uh, uh, he, you're right. He did write an incredibly good series. And it, it, even if it was to end as it is, without the uh, um, next couple of seasons coming here in the next couple of years, um, it, even if they were to leave it as it is, 10, 20 years from now, it would be considered a science fiction classic. It really would. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, we've, we've been going through kind of a golden age of television, in my mind, uh, personal <laughs> mind, because, I mean, we've had Game of Thrones, we had Walking Dead, and, of course, we're giving uh-huh. props We're giving props to things like the Orville we can't not sing the uh, the praises of fucking Ash versus the Evil Dead too. Oh man, yes, <laughs> so good. Again, a series that so ended too soon. 
that ended too soon yeah. because there's so much more I wanted out of that show. But it, it my my disappointment yeah. at its ending isn't because it had a bad ending. It isn't because it wasn't a good show. It was a great show, and that's my disappointment. Just, I want more. <laughs> yeah, just the fact that it ended makes it makes it poor. Uh, and and the weird thing is, is is like all of the other campy movies they did with the Evil Dead is that their popularity, that which would keep it still going on the air for season four and five and, and et cetera, is the fact that their popularity doesn't come until after it's gone. Yep, <laughs> that's true. That is absolutely you know? true. But you don't, I mean, miss, you don't miss what you like until it's gone kind of deal, and, and that's the way it is with pretty much every installment from all of the Evil Dead all the way back to 1982. Yep, the original Evil Dead, which was the yep. only one that wasn't a comedy. Yeah, the only one that was straight horror, and uh, if you look at it now, there's some comedy aspects to it just because of the way it was produced and, and everything, but it was not written in any way, shape, or form to be comedy at all, and it was really a scary movie. If you're watching it at 12 years old like I did, fuck <laughs> me. That's a horrible movie to watch, uh, but now, you know, tying it in with everything else that's come over the past, you know, 38 years now, it's uh, an incredible beginning to a series. But you know, I, do, really... I, I do have to give props to Evil Dead 2 because to this day it still has the greatest visual pun of all time, in, in my <laughs> personal opinion. We'll, we'll test your theory. We'll, we'll, we'll test your knowledge here. Uh, in Evil Dead 2, the, the, the scene I'm talking about is when his hand becomes possessed and he's battling uh -huh. his hand and he cuts it off and it's starting to try to crawl away and he puts a bucket over top of it and then he puts a stack of books over top of the bucket. What uh -huh. is what is the top book? Uh, isn't the top book? Um, it's not the Necromicon. It is. Um, uh, it's a, it's an H.P. Lovecraft novel. A farewell to arms. Fuck me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greatest visual pun. Ever. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Our farewell to arms is hilarious. <laughs> I was thinking of Color Out of Space was one of the books in that stack, but it may be, but not the top one. Right. Um, the top one that's actually visible on screen farewell is a farewell to arms. To arms. <laughs> I'll have to rewatch that clip. I'm going to pull it up on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, that Evil Dead, Evil Dead will always have a place and a special place in my heart. Like, I'm thrilled right now. Netflix is bringing back Kilver Kilmer from outer space. Like I love cheesy B rates. That's great. <laughs> That's going to be so campy and so cheesy. Like if they overproduce it, it can't be. It can't be better. But uh, even the fact that they're bringing on the uh, the old original is uh, um, really cool because there's a huge generation that missed out on that. Like people, I don't. How old are you? Uh, Forty three. Okay, so you're just a few years behind me. I'm 50. Right. So there's 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 a huge group of people that missed exposure to those silly ass science fiction horror movies, um, you know, like Tomatoes, like Killer Clowns, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, they they hold a place in the genre today, and there's a lot of people that missed out on it. So. The fact that Netflix is bringing it back is cool. Well, I think I think, and, and this is one of the times I'll contradict what we what we were talking about earlier, uh, with with uh, releasing movies straight to digital or or whatever uh, being the smart way to go. I think with cheesy B rates, they need to be put back in the formula they were intended. 
when these movies first came out, whether they were cheesy science fiction or cheesy horror, they were always drive-ins. Yeah. Bring back the drive-in and start re-releasing these. And then people will understand uh, the appeal uh, of them. (laughs) Yeah, at the drive-in brings an entirely different context to what's actually going on. One of uh, Joe and I's most popular episodes is uh, we did a tie-in with the Oscars, the 10 most influential Oscar movies of our lifetime. Okay. And number two for me was Jaws. And the title of the segment is, What Kind of Psychopath Takes a Seven-Year-Old to Go See Jaws at the Drive-In? Which is what my father did to me. And... <laughs> <laughs> I have always argued that we should have a drive-in theme for Jaws. We should. Big, big... <laughs> Big screen outside, but instead of cars, you're sitting in rowboats on like a lake. Well, they did that here in my local town this past Did they summer. really? Nice. Yeah. And, uh, so an excellent idea, which, of course, I will never participate in. And, uh, <laughs> See, I was five when I, when I saw Jaws. I'll tell you my story after you tell yours, so go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the lead-in to this is that we're going to go see Star Wars. This is 1978. It's the year of me being seven and eight years old. Star Wars has been out for well over a year. The release to the uh, drive-ins is coming on. It's a summer nighttime. We're going to go see Star Wars. My father fails to tell me that uh, Jaws is part of the double bill. Now, at this time, Jaws is three years old, so it's not big news. So we go, and the first scene is done. And for the next two hours, I completely freak out, lose my mind. During the course of the night, in the back of my my dad's El Camino, a spider <laughs> on my leg. Oh my no! Dad, out of the fucking El Camino, he's like, "What the fuck are you screaming about?" I'm screaming bloody murder. There's a spider on my leg, unbeknownst to me. My dad is afraid of spiders too, so he's fucking <laughs> madman. And Jaws is going on in the background, and you know, you remember back in the day, whenever you're watching a drive-in movie, like some of the scenery kind of shows up on the ground around you. Uh-huh. Well, the ocean and Jaws coming up around the El Camino with the spider on my fucking leg and my old man fucking screaming bloody murder carries on with me for like the next two and a half years. Like I was an <laughs> incredibly good swimmer. But it took me until the like I was maybe ten or eleven years old to like really want to jump into a public pool again. Like that night fucking ruined me for about two and a half years. I would not go to another drive-in. I would not get in the public pool. Uh, <laughs> it, it was just a, a series of unfortunate events. It really was. But uh, just a <laughs> yeah. Again, what kind of psychopath takes a seven-year-old to go see Jaws? Well, see, it's it's kind of funny you mention that because it, it it seems like Jaws caused a lot of PTSD for young people. Fuck uh, yeah! Because I was five years old when I was first experienced to it, and I didn't get to see it in a movie theater. I didn't get to see it in in uh, in in a drive-in or anything. It, I saw mine at home on Betamax for the first time. But you know, again, a five-year-old okay. kid watching Jaws tear the shit out of the, the small town of Amity. Five years old is when I started taking showers. I was scared to death the shark was going to come up through the drain and eat me in a fucking bathtub. Like, I, <laughs> I was so traumatized, I would not get in the yep. water until, like, like you, until I was about 11 years old. <laughs> like, I would take showers because there wasn't no standing water. I wouldn't get in a pool or, or whatever because, no. You know? <laughs> Anything above my ankles was too deep. 
<laughs> Till I was about 11 years old because of that fucking movie. I have yet to show my kids that are 10 and 11. I like I've been I've been going through the classics with them. One of the things we've been doing during the quarantine, like I obviously already got them into Star Wars. They love Star Wars, and I, I we watched Lord of the Rings, and we're finishing up the Harry Potter series now. And eventually, I'm going to get them into Star Trek and everything. But one day, I'm going to take them on the journey of just the classic movies, like Founders of the Third Kind and E.T. And of course, eventually, we're going to wind up on Jaws. You still with me there? And uh, good luck whenever that happens. Um, yeah. Well, the reason I'm holding off I, on it, I, I don't know for sure. Well, the reason the reason I'm holding on it is my my daughter is is gung ho. She she don't mind horror. She she wants to watch Child's. She wants to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. She wants to see all these. So all four. She's not my son. My my ten year old son. He he's a wimp. He had my, nightmares. My uh, daughter he, was a huge on horror films until, like, there hasn't been a real big horror movie that she hasn't enjoyed. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, uh, my my youngest my youngest <laughs> son my youngest son I had to stay up all night with him one night because he saw a, a YouTube video of SpongeBob with red eyes. Could you imagine that scared him Shit, really? up all night? Yeah. Do you think Do you think a shark tearing a man in half might be a little too far for somebody like him? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, <laughs> Yeah, that's going to give him nightmare. You're going to have to invest a lot of money in counseling. Yeah, is what you need to do. <laughs> but then again, I probably need counseling just because I watch these films. oh good lord yeah my daughter is incredibly resilient she has been since she was you know she's 25 now and and ever since the age of eight she's been able to watch a lot of these movies um and after she watches them she's like okay that's cool let's watch another cabin in the woods or whatever and i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you kid (laughs) Um, (laughs) like she's just super resilient whenever it comes to that stuff. And, and all of this stuff going on now, like my daughter is one of those people who lives in a little bit of a far-fetched fantasy land, and she's like, yeah, the apocalypse would be cool because she watches The Walking Dead. Ah, okay. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those kind of fantasy crossovers where she kind of thinks that that's like romantic and attractive or whatever because there's no rules, there's no bills, you know, no... But he has a high power job, no minimum wage. She finds some attraction in that. Now, okay, I get it, I guess. And uh, now all of this is going on, and she called me and the wife uh, yesterday, and she's like, so how are you guys, do you guys have any extra food? Because we haven't been able to find anything at the stores. And I'm like, well, I thought you were ready for the apocalypse. <laughs> I've been shit over the past few days. Um and she takes it all with uh, in, in pretty good stride. But, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> whenever she said that at the beginning of the shutdown, she's like, all right, cool, we're going to see what it's like. I'm like, no, not cool. What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, I, that, that's hilarious, though. That is hilarious because it's like I've, I've thought about that myself, watching things like The Walking Dead. And, of course, uh, I'm a video gamer, so you know, I play games like, like fucking Fallout. Fallout, all that shit, yeah. Like Fallout and all that. So I, I do get a kick out of the post-apocalyptic world. 
But I think if I were to live in a post-apocalyptic world, I think I'd rather be in, like, Mad Max's world than fucking Walking Dead. Let <laughs> me be completely right. honest. <laughs> Give me the road warriors I over the walkers. <laughs> so Take me to Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah. Let me fight about it, you know, instead of having to worry about motherfuckers just tiptoeing up to me. Yep. <laughs> and at least then I'm not so much worried about food, just gasoline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All I need is gas and I'm cool. Yeah. But, uh, Chris, uh, we, we're at the two-hour mark, man. We were supposed to be doing an hour episode. I'm like, fuck, where did time go? We've already hit two hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I definitely think we need to do this again and get more people. Uh, what do you guys think, obviously? the people that are with Facebook live, you know, uh, we, we can get instant reaction from, but I, I definitely think like maybe, uh, I will be releasing this, uh, on YouTube and, and maybe, uh, just so people can hear, okay. it, didn't get a chance to, to see it live. Um, and with doing that, what do you, you know, do those guys, uh, comment section down below, let us know. Do you want us to continue to do this, especially during the, uh, uh, during the pandemic, the apocalyptic world that we live in right now. The apocalyptic world, yeah. You know, uh, you know, I think if everybody would kind of take a look at a, uh, a look at a way of giving us a little guidance on what subjects you want us to talk about, I think this would be a great ongoing kind of forum for us to do, especially during the lockdowns, if nothing else. And I think I think we could also uh, play around with it too. Like I hosted this one. Um, I'll host this one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can still record it if we want to, you know, re, uh, re-release afterwards. But you can host the next one, or next, uh, the next one can be hosted by the next guest, and the next guest, and the next guest. Like, however yeah. we do it, like so that way, it really spreads around. And everybody can get a chance to enjoy this because uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, again, one of the, one of the funny things we talked about in the top of the hour was the fact that you and I don't even know each other really. We, we we've talked one yeah. previous time <laughs> for like ten minutes, and we just had a two-hour. Pop- Right. <laughs> you know, so. and, and that's the great thing about this medium is the fact that, you know, if you're able to take two like-minded people and put them on the same forum and, and give them kind of a, a, an open freeway to be able to talk a little bit, um, you can really come up with uh, maybe not so many uh, diamonds, but you can definitely come up with a lot of good topics and, and a lot of good a lot of good subject matter and, and cross over it in a short period of time and talk about a lot of stuff, man. That's cool. But yeah, I think I think uh, for the next one though, I don't think I'll use the coast to coast power hour logo for the intro for the beginning top of it. <laughs> that was I, I had nothing else available, and we were trying to get this started. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, yeah we, we did this on a shoestring, literally. <laughs> and uh, um, so yeah, next time we'll uh, collab a little bit uh, before we go live and and figure out how we want to put it out. But yeah, I've had a great time, man, for sure. Absolutely. So, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, of course, real quick, let's just go ahead and give a quick rundown where people can find you and your show. And I'll give my, my where they can find me and my shows. And, uh, of course, much love we got to give before we even do either of that to SJ Network, uh, the guys who not only got us together, but encouraged us to even do this and put this on. So, definitely SJ Network and, and Steve Joyner, thank you so much. This, this happened because of you, brother. Yeah, man, Stephen Jay, uh, a big shout out to him. And you can find us 
at the uh, you can request to join the What's Your F and Binge fan group. You can also find us on the What's Your F and Binge uh, public page at uh, What's Your F and Binge uh, ha uh, Facebook. You can also find uh, our website on Google at What's Your F and Binge. Also on Instagram and Twitter at What's Your F and Binge. And uh, Chris Rudder and Joe Shriver are the individual hosts of that. You can find us individually or, or under the group names of What's Your F and Binge. Nice. And, of course, you can find uh, me on Realm of the Mist Entertainment, uh, whether on YouTube. You can check us, check out all the great quality podcasts there. Or check out our sister channel, Sounds Gaming, for all your video game, let's play, and top content needs. And if you prefer your podcast in audio format, just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And, of course, on all the social medias, just look for Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Guys, thank you again so, so much. We, I had a blast doing this. <coughs> Excuse me. Really one of the first times I ever played with Facebook Live, so it's kind of a neat little learning experience. <laughs> yeah. But instant yeah, gratification. Definitely. <laughs> definitely, man. And I appreciate uh, being on here with you and getting some exposure with everybody. And, and you, of course, getting exposure with our group. It's all good, man. Definitely, no, I, absolutely. And I think I think by next week, you and I have homework to do. I think we got to come up with a name for this because it can't yeah. be SJ Network Coast to Coast Power Hour. We're just stealing it away from people. Then, <laughs> definitely, man. All right, guys. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, and have a good night, guys. We'll catch you on the next episode. Definitely.